Hey, hey, Cubs fans, uh, welcome to another episode of Cubs on Tap, uh, presented by On Tap Sportsnet. I'm uh, one of your hosts, Patrick Mooney, joined with my co-host, Brian Mishler. How are you doing today, Brian? Doing good. The Cubs just secured a series win on the road, so you can't complain. However, it, it's just never easy with this Cubs team. They get off 10-1 real quick. You think it's going to just coast. You can maybe not watch it as attentively and just feel safe there for a little bit, but of course not. I mean, the Chicago Cubs, I could probably count on one hand how many comfortable victories they had all year. So, But all in all, I can't complain. I mean, you're facing Stroman and Syndergaard without Rizzo and Contreras, and they're 2-0. and So, I mean, that's pretty great. Right, right. And it puts to rest, you know, there's a little bit of controversy when, when they broke that streak of uh, road series losses. That third win, the rubber match that they won against the Pirates was in that neutral site at uh, Williamsport. So it yeah. puts to rest. This is a true road series win. And it gets a pretty competitive Mets team, honestly. They're they're top heavy in that offense, but they do have some real firepower. You know, the first time when they came to Wrigley, I thought they were guys that were going to fizzle out, but with the exception of Alonzo, but no, Wilson Ramos has had a really nice year. He's had a pretty um, underrated career, honestly. Uh, Frazier uh, came in, had a good uh, a good game today. He's a nice established vet. McNeil is a really good rookie. Yeah. Uh, J.D. Davis is a talented player. Conforto's a legitimate hitter. So the top four or five guys are you know pretty competitive there. But then there's a big drop off. Ligaris is in there every day. He can't hit. Uh, Ahmed Rosario isn't very capable at the plate. Um, they don't have a whole lot, really. You know, they were pretty much what the Cubs place. were at the de- before the deadline, to be honest. Yeah, that's a good comparison. At the at the bottom of the lineup, but yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I, I haven't really followed the Mets that closely, but I was looking up their numbers before the series started and couldn't believe like they got some they got some really talented hitters at the top of that lineup, like you were saying. Yeah. But, and, yeah. No, oh, go sorry. Ahead. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, you know, they're top-heavy with the rotation, too, and unfortunately, after getting swept, the Cubs got stuck with the top-heavy part of that rotation with, you know, Thor and Stroman and DeGrom tomorrow, and I think it's a good place to start. I mean, 10 runs off Noah Syndergaard would throw an eight consecutive um, eight consecutive quality starts, uh, leads uh, the National League in fastball velocity from right-handed starters, and, I mean, 10 runs in three innings, that's that's – crazy they had six runs without even recording a second out of the ball game so yeah i mean that was the story of the game you know the the kyle hendricks got blown up and then the bullpen struggled a bit the offense didn't do much against the mets bullpen but 10 runs off Syndergaard. that's the reason why they get a w tonight instead of a loss yeah i agree i mean it was the type of onslaught we've been waiting for honestly the cubs really haven't put that type of offense display since like the reds i want to say it was like three weeks ago on the road but, I mean, it's good to see and without Contreras and Rizzo. I really, really like Russell in the lineup every day. I think he's a huge – he changes the dynamic of this entire team because of how phenomenal defensively he is and the bat's starting to look a little better now. So I, I really think they need to start him there literally every single day. I do like Cap in there as well, but obviously he's not going to play at first base when Rizzo comes back. So that's a little bit of a question mark when Rizzo's healthy, where they're going to put Hap if they're going to play Russell every day. You know, I, I really think they should just about good defense really is. And if he's hitting like this, you really don't have a choice. He has to be in there every day. What do you, what do you think about that? 
So with second base, yeah, that's a good. So Ian Happ, you know, we talked about this in one of our most recent pods uh, when we were co-hosting together. Happ's a rhythm hitter, and he was really hitting well. He was he's always had a good grasp of the strike zone. His problem has been in zone contact. Um, his zone contact since being called up is about ten percentage points higher than it was either of his first two seasons. And he was he wasn't sacrificing quality of of contact for quantity. He was still you know driving the ball gap to gap for extra base hits. They have that debacle, that loss in Philly where Hap, you know, isn't able to make two fairly routine-looking plays at second. He gets benched for close to a week, and then he comes back, and he's in this huge funk again. He'd really, really been struggling. Now today, you know, he kind of has – he's back in a rhythm. He knows he's going to get a handful of starts here with Rizzo nursing that back injury, Um, and they're going to be cautious with it as much as it stinks now. If Rizzo has a setback with that injury, there might not be enough time to get him back. If you lose Rizzo for September, the season's over. So Hap knows he's going to be in there every day playing at first, and, you know, he homers off of Syndergaard. He had another hit later in the game. Um, So that is going to be tough. I think that's the position where, well, one – with what we've seen with how bad Hayward's offense has been in August, uh, you might see – you might – you know, you, we haven't seen a fourth outfielder in there at all. So we might see Hap getting a couple more starts in the outfield. Hayward could use a day off or two. Yeah. Castellanos hasn't gotten a single day off since he's been with the Cubs. So, you know, we'll see Hap every single time there's a guy getting a day off, it should be Hap in the outfield. No more mixing in Almora, no more Bodie at third and Brian in the outfield. So you kind of pick your spots to get Hap in there. And I still think you will see some time at second base. Um, you know, I'm assuming Addison Russell is going to hit a funk at some point. You know, if he if he finishes the season 30 games strong, that would be his longest extended streak as an offensive player in three years. So I'm not counting on it. So. Yeah. So I, I do think I still like the idea of getting Happ in early for his two or three at-bats and then getting Russell in there late at second base. But for now, you know, with Rizzo out, it's that's a decision that we don't need to make right now. When Rizzo comes back, um, you know, Madden and, and his geek squad will take a look at pitching matchups and, you know, what Russell and Happ are doing and who gets to start and who comes in when and whatnot. But for now, I think, you know, that's just a question we have to put on the back burner. Yeah, agreed. There's no reason to do anything right now until they make the call. And if Russell could be hitting out as well, then it's an easy choice. But I, I like what you said about Hayward. He's been brutal so far in August. And he really needs to get back to his June, July self when the stretch run, I mean, the stretch, we're already in the stretch run. So he's got to figure it out pretty much right now if the Cubs are going to win this division. I'm really shocked the Cubs have put up this many runs the last two games against that quality of pitching without Contreras without Rizzo and with Hayward basically being worthless at the plate. I mean, that's just a testament to the other guys in the lineup hitting, but Hayward's been really bad. I want to say uh, Michael Sarami actually tweeted this earlier. He has like a, he is below a 600 OPS, I believe batting lead off this season. So like. The on base is about 270, I think. Yeah. It's, it's really, really bad. For context is 15 points worse than Albert Elmore. And we know how bad he was there. Yeah. It's that experience over. I mean, there is no perfect leadoff hitter in this lineup, obviously, or else they wouldn't be still fiddling around with it in August. But I do, I, I don't know. I think you got to go with either people don't agree with this, but I think you got to go with Rizzo or Bryant. They're the two best OBP guys on the team. And, I mean, it, I don't like to dial it down to numbers that much, but, I mean, they just have the best of bats. So put them at leadoff. Yes, and so people – this is what drives me – you know, it's 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 so hard to get people 
from all ages, all types of different baseball backgrounds. I understand why people that have been fans for longer or older or casual fans or maybe baseball is their second or third sport. I understand not I, I understand the mental block to like you can't put, you know, your big clunky cleanup hitter leading off. I understand why that thought goes through their head. But if you look at all the other successful teams, the primary leadoff hitter for the Dodgers has been Max Muncy. It's a 260 pound first baseman. He's in the Derby a lot. So who gives? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and, you know, George Springer isn't your typical leadoff hitter. You know, he's a center field center fielder sure but he's played a lot of corner outfield too and he's a guy who hits a lot of he's not there because of his speed he's there because of his on base and he puts himself at second base with slugging rather than just slap hits and stealing second base so you put your best hitters there especially the way this lineup is set part of the reason they don't have any leadoff hitters is because they have so many guys that you know, don't make a lot of contact but you know drive the baseball sluggers yeah yeah they have a lot of sluggers so put Rizzo and the only other reason to not put one of those guys and run, you know, Hayward's talked about, you know, Atlanta tried to lead him off for a while. You know, the mental approach really, he, he, he's been on record of he really struggling him. with that. Yeah. And um, so Rizzo, we've have a sample size. He doesn't struggle with it. So you get a first inning up there of, so you put Rizzo, Castellanos and Bryant in the first inning, right? One, two, three. Yeah. The argument for not moving Rizzo would be to not have the big guns in the middle to continue to drive in runs with the offense. Well, if that's your one, two, three hitters, then your four, five, six guys in some order are Javi Contreras when he comes back and Schwarber. And then you still have, you know, Hayward, Hayward not seven, yeah. you put Hayward down in the seventh spot and start whomever at second base hitting eighth. And if Hap gets hot, you can move him up and down. And you, so you're not losing that in the middle of the order. Put Rizzo there, get your guy with a 400 on base up at the top of the lineup and let him do his thing in the first inning. That's so daunting in the first inning when you have to face three hitters of that caliber, one, two, three. So if it's, you know, I'm worried that Joe is going to try to get Zobris there like three times a week and mix and match the other day. Yeah, because Zobris is going to get activated here soon. That should absolutely not be the case. Just make your move and put Rizzo there. I'm all aboard. Bryant might has, has talked about not wanting to do it before, so that's fine. Rizzo's obviously handled it. Put him there. Put him there. Otherwise, you're going to continue to have a 280 on base spot from the leadoff spot, and you're going to cost your team runs. But by doing that, you're going to cost your team games. So I'm really happy you mentioned that. I'm really, really happy. We're on the same page there. Yeah, and it's it's going back to what you said about Hayward saying in the past that he does not like playing late or a batting leadoff. So you got a guy that's been struggling as a Cub, essentially. I mean, he wasn't that bad last year, but he was not being worth what he was being paid. He's finally hitting up to his potential. And then you go and me- mess him up upstairs, mess him up mentally, mess him up with approach at leadoff. It just makes no it makes no sense whatsoever. Now you got him all screwed up. It's probably all inside his head. And who knows if he ever gets a, gets himself back to what he was hitting like in June and July. They should have not even tested him out of leadoff. I don't care. He's hitting well. Why would you mess with it? He's been struggling recently. He should be batting at six or seven all year. So I don't know what to tell you. Maybe he doesn't figure it out all year. So I, 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 I couldn't. He is a I good batted ball profile. He has a good batted ball profile to hit in that six, seven spot for so many things the Cubs have struggled with. You know, even when Hayward's making outs, the type of hitter he is, is, you know, he'll, he'll move those super frustrating, you know, ground outs to second or, you know, p- pulling lazy fly outs. Those are productive outs that move runners in from third to home, from second to third, so on and so forth. He doesn't strike out as much as a lot of the guys they've been putting there in the six or seven spots in his uh 
place. So he he had a really nice niche in this offense. And like you said, I don't know if I'd go as far as you would say not even to try it because maybe he went, went up to them and volunteered. And, you know, you're looking at a guy statistically who, at least against right-handed hitting, the on-base profile really made sense. But after 10, 12, 15 days of struggling, it's been 29 games now. It's been yeah. an entire month. <laughs> pull, pull the plug, man. And that's why the fact I'm worried that they're waiting for this arbitrary date to try to work Zobristan and then mix and match the other days. And who knows? Oh, so, I, you know, I don't, just, they can't, they got it. They're not, not maximizing their lineup. They're yeah, not they mixing, they're not maximizing the lineup. Yeah. I, it's do, I mean, I, I really don't want them doing that with Zobrist. I would, Stick him in as a pinch hitter at the beginning, and if he starts to really just, like, turn heads, then maybe tinker with it, but it's tough. I mean, the Cubs can't really risk just doing that right now. they got to no. win some games so they can win the division and even stay afloat in the wild card game. I mean, there's no guarantee, even if the Cubs lose the, the division by a game or two, that they even make the playoffs. So they got to figure it out, and they're it's, we're past mixing and matching, but yeah. We, we, we know who our manager is, and it's Joe Madden, and we know what he's accustomed to doing. So, But, yeah, enough, enough with that. Let's go further into the game. I wanted to touch on the bottom of the first. Hendricks actually, it looked like the Cubs were going to give up a three or four spot in the bottom of the first, and I was really worried, but he actually got a massive strikeout. That was probably one of the best pitches he's thrown all game. I believe it was looking. I could have been – I could not be – It was looking. It was like, and that's what I thought. To Joe Panic. The biggest case of the game. Yes, that was a big bounce back because it looked like he might have gotten uh, the inning-ending double play I the pitch before. Um, I wasn't. I was still at the office, so I missed. Of course, I missed the first three innings. Got home just in time to turn on the bottom of the fifth when the Mets put up a five spot. So, but uh, <laughs> so that, that was nice and. Uh, yeah, very strange. You know, he just you know, following just through the pitch tracks, his command looked all over the place, and he was able to kind of settle. The Cubs continue to add, and then in the fifth inning was he hit a wall. It was very strange. He hit a wall as if his as if he was tired or gassed, which you know, his pitch count wasn't up there. It was very weird. Um, it, it was very strange. He's had a couple of clunkers on the road. His road. Numbers, well, they've always been higher than his home numbers because he's been one of the best home pitchers in all of baseball since he came into the league. But his road numbers this season particularly have been pretty bad um, compared to the type of pitcher that he is, and it keeps bumping and spiking that ERA back up. So I don't know what to think of that. I don't know whether to think that there's a little something there or if it's just a blip because he's been so good. He's had so many big road moments, including in October. So, you know, there's been a lot of talk about about that. Uh, I, I don't know what you think about that, Brian. I think you wrote something about – I don't know if you wrote an article or if it was just Twitter. Um, but you talked about, you know, wanting to go to Darvish over Hendricks in a game one on the road or in a wild oh, card yeah, on the road situation. He's the only one – he's honestly the only pitcher of the four that I trust on the road in any game. Like if, if He's the only one on the road whose splits aren't drastically different. Who'd you, what'd you say? So I didn't hear you. He, he's the only one uh, of the pitchers oh, whose who's yeah. road splits aren't drastically different. Absolutely. At one point, I honestly thought he was pitching better on the road. But, I mean, that obviously could have changed at this point. But it's mostly because he doesn't need really 
that just like the environment, the comfortability, his stuff's nasty anywhere in the MLB. It's one of the nastiest stuff any of any pitcher. So if they're in a one, one game in the wildcard game at, at Washington, if they don't go with you, Darvish, I'm going to be absolutely pissed off. I mean, obviously that's very far away from happening, but it's, it shouldn't even be a judgment call at this point. I want to see how September plays out. It's so I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm honestly not gonna bat my head if it's still Kyle. I know that Kyle's been so much better at home this season, but it's not. It's a little bit of an anomaly, and I, I just don't know. And especially the wild card game is different because they could probably just piggyback those two. Um, you probably just try to get as be get use both pitchers and be a, as efficient as possible. You know, yeah. this isn't the type of roster where you want to go one of them for six or seven, then go bullpen, bullpen, Kimbrel. You probably want to use two of those guys for eight and then what straight to Kimbrel. <laughs> yeah, what you probably do is start with Darvish and give him the the quickest hook of all time, gets into any sort of trouble, just yank him, and then go to Hendricks. That's what I would do. Yeah, th- th- they'd probably do that if we're do- talking. They'd probably, yeah, do Get, get Darvish until he started showing a little bit of trouble and then use a dirty inning reliever like Kinsler or something in the fourth or fifth and then start Hendricks with the clean inning yeah. and then let him bridge the gap to Kimbrell. Either way, yeah, that's really, either way they got to get there first. But. Yeah, we got on a little bit of a tangent. It was a good fun <laughs> conversation, but yeah, we got a, like a month long left until that actually comes into fruition. But uh, I also wanted to say um, it was – Bottom six, another huge double play was by Kyle Ryan. That was another mm-hmm. inning killer by the Cubs. That was huge. I, that was the inning where I thought the Cubs were going to um, probably make it like 10 to 9, and I was going to be – Where they were in the batting order? Yeah, I was terrified there. So that was huge by Kyle Ryan to get that job done. Yeah, two of the most important uh, players today were Ryan and Rowan Wick. Um They've been, you know, probably the second and fourth best relievers on the team, you know, and, you know, those are, you know, garbage bag fines, credit the front office. I don't want to give the front office too much credit because I think arguably their biggest weakness over the last few years has been the inability to develop cheap, hard-throwing relievers that they can just be optioned up and down. Teams like the Dodgers and the Astros uh, have excelled at doing that. Um but Ryan coming in, getting that double play ball, because that's first and second, nobody out, four-run lead with J.D. Davis, Conforto, and Alonzo there. And not only he gets a double play, and then he doesn't even let the runner from third score. He stays yeah. locked in and gets a weak grounder from Conforto. Wick comes in in the seventh inning, runners on the corners, two-out jam, just doesn't mess around with a weak hitter in Juan Lugaris, just attacks him three straight fastballs, gets a weak pop-up, and then starts gets back in there for the eighth. Deals with a really bad, lazy error by Javi to start the inning. Yeah, and then gives up a hit the next pitch. And what does he do? He buckles down. He gets, and then again, same thing. It's a four run, yeah, four run lead, two on, nobody out. It's JD Davis, Conforto, Alonzo. He gets the strikeout of Davis, a weak ground ball by Conforto, and a weak flyout by Alonzo. It was just, yeah. He was really absolutely phenomenal. And it was, I mean, especially how inexperienced he is. If you start that game off with an air or that eighth inning off with an error by buys and then give up a double, that's when some guys hit with his inexperience would completely unravel. And he right. didn't. And we saw just, you know, the last time the Cubs had a young, uh, energetic, talented Edwards. Yep, was Edwards. And that's a situation we saw him struggle with command and hanging in there mentally 
we for for years even even you know even when he wasn't even in bad individual stretches he'd, he'd be on a streak of 12 12 innings of of basically no runs allowed and he'd come in there and just totally lose his command and all it would take was one bad thing and wick not only after the error he gives up the hit and like you said and he just buckles down and um a big part of that inning also was on the strikeout to start things off caratini had a really nice yeah, yeah. you know his foul tip on that curveball to sharp break and he held on to it and i mentioned that as a segue to caratini's in a pretty damn nice job um in the month of August statistically and just out there, I, there's not a whole lot of, I mean, he's not Contreras. He's not going to come out there and he doesn't have the, the talent or ability to do what Wilson can do. Um, but he hasn't been worse than he was before Contreras got hurt. Yeah. He's still putting together competitive at bats. He had two hits today and roped a line drive. He was the only Cub to put solid contact on Brad Brock, which was so aggravating. Um, <laughs> and then to, you know, he seems comfortable handling the pitching staff calling games um so yeah, really really an impressive job for and this is the first time caratini's really been tasked with this in his career they babied him as a backup um, you know they traded for a backup in 17 because they didn't trust him he really struggled i was all on the train this offseason of getting a backup catcher not people wanted it because of the veteran clubhouse thing i just wanted it to make sure caratini wasn't on the field and they give they gave caratini this opportunity and he's really been a quality backup catcher there's just no denying it yeah i would honestly put him in the top two or three backup catchers in the entire mlb i mean to have a guy that can just sub your all-star catcher like that and obviously like you said there's going to be a drop off in production but it's really not that much i mean catching is not a hitting position he has an above league Average OPS, I want to say it's around 800. Could be a little bit wrong there. I know it's above average, but it might not be around 800. But he's no, he, he, did, he he entered today around 780, and then I think he reached three times, so it might be at about that 800 point. Okay, yeah, perfect. I mean, obviously he doesn't have the arm Willie does or the bat, but I mean he does perfect defensively, and he's way better framing than Willie. We all know that, and that's a huge asset. And like you said, that was a huge catch on that strikeout. I don't know how how he caught that. I mean, it no. was like a curveball off the off the end of the bat. I don't, I don't know how he caught that, but that was huge. Yeah, I don't understand, like, how... <laughs> the physics of that. Because that's such, he has such a sharp, like, 12-6 breaker that just, it just dives on hitters, and it got tipped, and he still snagged it. So, yeah, good on Caratini there, because that would have been real tough to have to try to make another tough pitch to get Davis out, because he he's a talented hitter. Um and then, yeah, I was going back to the more disappointing parts of the game. You know, Kyle Hendricks was the last Cub to record a hit outside of a Tony Kemp pinch hitting bunt hit in the game. And Hendricks got pulled in the fifth. So it was really it was really disappointing to see against some of the worst relievers on the Mets to go one, two, three in the sixth, one, two, three in the seventh, eighth, ninth. That was really Cubs, frustrating. I completely agree with you. The Cubs have had so much struggle all year is getting runs seven, eight, and nine inning. And I honestly think it that's part of the reason why the, the Cubs bullpen has blown so many games. Cause if you give an, any bullpen enough one run games and not getting those insurance run, they're going to blow some games. The Cubs bullpen crazy enough as it sounds, it has the fourth lowest runs allowed per game of any bullpen in the NL. So I know that might be a little bit, misleading but i also think it's because the cubs refuse to ever give insurance runs and it's like a, a yeah, they've had to pitch a ton of high leverage innings yes 
it's taxing mentally and it's just you overuse a lot of guys, which has happened to Strope and C-Sheck because we don't even see Strope anymore. And C-Sheck is now like the fifth highest lever, fifth high leverage reliever in the pen. I mean, he's not even nearly effective as he was in the past. But I just think the bullpen's really not that bad. There's a lot of blown saves, obviously. Their save percentage, I want to say, is in the low 60s. Not good. But, I mean, what you saw today is as high leverage as a bullpen gets. I would say you got Kyle Ryan. I love him in the seventh inning. The problem with Kyle Ryan is, though, is he doesn't have put-away stuff. He's going to hope for that ground ball, which he got today in that huge um, double play. But without that, he is going to give up contact. And if they see if the bat sees holes, that's a huge problem moving forward. But also, I love Wick. Pretty sure the single he allowed today was a ground ball that just found a hole. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the type of stuff that happens in the playoffs. And that's why you really need those power arms in October to win games. And I really like Wick and Kimbrell. Wick was, like you said, phenomenal today. Although Kimbrell, I don't know what the hell was wrong with his control. He was all over the place. I don't know how he didn't give up. Did he even give up a run? I don't think he did. No. So I don't. Off, like he looked brutal. I was saying if he walked that second guy, I wanted them to take him out because I thought he looked he looked completely lost out there on the mound. Yeah, and he well, I, honestly, I think the answer to your question was he he ran he ran into the bottom part of the order at the right time. It was Rosario who he almost walked for that second time, yeah. and then um, and then it was Lugaris, uh, and then by that point yeah. he kind of settled in, was able to make a pitch to Frazier. Yeah, I wonder if part of it was, you know, there's so much at that role, like like mentally preparing and everything. I wonder if he just kind of turned off that competitive switch when they were up ten to one. Yeah, which okay, again that's very true. He probably was like, Okay, I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be pitching today. I'm done. Um, and I think that's the worst part about this win getting away a little bit was they had, to, they had to burn everybody. Yeah. If Hendricks just says, and he was on, a, it was looking like Hendricks was going to go six because Hamels is on paternity leave. They have James Norwood who's going to go right back to Iowa this weekend. They could have used him for two innings, then given Pedro Strope the ball with an eight-run lead. That would have been it, and you would have had everybody for tomorrow. But at least yeah. they got the win. They got the road series win. But still, every win matters right now. You're trailing the division by two. Um, you know. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I mean, they got the win. At least you know, when you ta- at least when you tax the bullpen, you still get the win. Yeah, they I mean, were still able to wanna, come away with the win, and they did wanna, save Kinsler. At least that's one arm that didn't have to pitch. Yeah, he he'll be their closer tomorrow. I assume. I I I doubt Kimbrel will be. Well, maybe. Oh uh, no, no, I bet Kimbrel still because they had the off yeah. day Monday and he didn't pitch uh, yesterday, so yeah, they like can still use Kimbrel. I would like to revisit the pitch counts, but yeah, Kimbrel could be available. I, it was I right about it was right around twenty. It was right. It was like twenty to twenty-two, so he should be able to go. Yeah, but then the whip I bet will be done because he had uh, relievers really aren't accustomed to sitting and then coming out and pitching again. So I bet his arms pretty taxed tomorrow. But I mean, like you said, they got they got the W, and hopefully. Hopefully they get a win tomorrow, but you can't like we're 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 basically in September, so you can't be saying I want to save some arms for tomorrow. So you can't really complain with what's happened. So you would really like to see Hendricks go further. He looked really pissed off at himself, which I mean, rightfully so. But I don't know why he can't pitch on the road. I mean, he in the 2016 World Series he looked phenomenal on the road against the Indians in the 2017 NLDS. 
but for now they're out against the Nationals. So it's just like I don't. I, I do think what you're saying is kind of correct. It might be more of an an anomaly than anything, but I. I mean, he's got to show something going down the stretch for me to trust him anywhere. But he's still got a month left, so there's time. Yeah, um, I agree. So I think we've kind of exhausted today. Um, let's dive into tomorrow's game. Um, what do you really – I think it's kind of the same formula. You face another great starter, no Rizzo. Um, the difference is, you know, the Cubs had their top two arms go today and yesterday. We have our number five arm going tomorrow. Um, at least we already got the two wins, but I think tomorrow's, you know, kind of going to have to be the same, kind of an inning-by-inning inning battle. Hopefully they've hit five homers the last two days, eight dating back uh, to Sunday. Um, you know, hope to see if you can just work to Grom, work him, work him, work him, see if you can get him to make a mistake or two, get him out of the game because of pitch count reasons and get to the pen and see if you can send a couple, you know, into the bleachers. I think that's the only way they're going to win tomorrow. Yeah, I agree. They're going to have to score a lot of runs. Although I say that, and this is the type of game where John Lester goes out when nobody's expecting him and he goes like seven innings pitched, one or two earned. He always does that randomly. So I don't know, but I am terrified of Jacob DeGrom. I would say of those three pitchers of the Mets uh, I, he's in a league of his own if you ask me so they're gonna have their hands full yeah he's special yeah he's special have their hands full and um obviously Contreras isn't back yet is there any word on Rizzo or is he, do we know yet if he's out I think it's just the I'd imagine he'd be out I don't think yeah. they're gonna play because yeah I, I I think he might not even come back until Saturday because they have a flight tomorrow's the night game still and then they have a day game um Saturday, or I'm sorry, a day game Friday at Wrigley. So they're gonna have to travel and then get to yeah. bed late, all that. So I'm I'm guessing the Saturday return for Rizzo. That's my that's my guess. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. And yeah, there's no reason risking anything. And honestly, with the way Hap's been hitting, I mean, there's a little bit of a drop off, but it's really not that much. But the reason, the, the biggest drop off is fielding. I mean. Um, I didn't even like Hap is what, right. Like if, if Russell, if, if Russell and Hap are any bit, any bit equivalent in terms of an offensive production standpoint, you got to go with Russell. Yeah, I agree. And, and I don't, I don't like saying that, but it's that's that's you got to maximize the roster and try to win. They they made their bed uh, by keeping him around this season. Now they have to yeah. lie in it. They didn't you try to improve. Yeah, people hate to hear that because obviously he's had his bad off-field actions, but he basically is the best option at second base. And if you're right, if he's even close to what Hap is defensively, or I mean offensively, he's probably the best defensive second baseman in the MLB, to be honest, because he's good enough to be playing shortstop. I, I wanted to add, actually, in the bottom of the ninth when he got that first out, um, and threw it to over to second. That was one of the better plays I've seen at second base of any second baseman this year. And I don't want to like throw shade on Hap, but like he doesn't even come close to that ball. And the Cubs do not get that first out. And they, for all we know, they lose that game. So those de- those defensive plays late in games matter that much. Yeah, he has that super smooth range. He doesn't have to leave his feet a lot or do things like that. And he just gets he gets the ball so quickly. It's what made him such a good shortstop before he started having bizarre arm issues. He was way too young to start having these arm issues, but whatever. We have Javi now, so who cares? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, at least you know Russell has a place on this team down the stretch, um, and you know if he's going to be out there, he might as well produce. So. 
you know, I, yeah. yeah, I think t- tomorrow, you know, you just you got the road series win after a tough, tough measuring stick sweep against Washington. Um, you're going to be at least three games ahead against the Brewers. The Brewers are off tomorrow. Um, so tomorrow, you, you know, if if you win, then you head into that Milwaukee series up four. Real good chance to, you know, stick a fork in them. Uh, you know, they swept them the last time they were in Wrigley. I think the Cubs are five and one against Milwaukee and Wrigley this season. So hopefully that doesn't change. Um, let's just go out there, put our best foot forward, and take this game tomorrow. Do you have any final words, Brian? I do not, and I'm going to predict a sweep. So <clears throat> hopefully the Cubs do exactly that. I think Lester is going to actually come out and surprise some people. I don't know about you, but, yeah, that's pretty much all I got, Patrick. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, you know, big series W. Uh, go Cubs, go. Listen.